Hi, I am uh, Clay Lovers. I teach science, uh, middle school science, seventh eighth grade, and by default, I kind of rolled into the technology role, not because I have training, but because I know more than anyone else. Um, so it's been a fascinating journey, I think. And we are going to talk about Chromebooks and Google, our continuing journey at Byron Center Christian, or Tech in the Classroom, a walk of restoration and fallenness. <laughs> Any Bull uh, Winkle fans from back in the day when they used to show the, the title of the episode? Or, <laughs> yeah. all right, I'll just say it. It's uh, yeah. I'm going to yeah. vintage for that. <laughs> um, to me, as, as you look at technology, this is one of the things that we thought of initially. What, what guides us? Um, are, this, is, this is the beginning, this is the start. Who needs the technology? What's the goal of technology in our school? Why do we need the technology in our classrooms? Is it to keep up with other schools? Is it just to teach them how to use it? Um, one of the things that, that we've been doing at Byron Center Christian lately is this thing called Teaching for Transformation. Um, it's kind of interesting, and one of the things that we come up with is what we call our deep hope. And for me in science, it's what is my goal for my students when I get done here? What is the, my main hope for them? This is mine, and actually this is my science, but it's kind of mine for life. In everything we do, we see the story of God and creation. His creation of the universe, our fall, our redemption, and his restoration. And we use that story to become his agents of restoration in our fallen world. So what guides us at Byron Center Christian in the world of technology? To create distinctly reformed digital citizens. I mean, our goal isn't just to give them and teach them how to use this thing. It's to use, so hopefully our students go out into the world and we equip them to, to be reformed digital citizens. To work towards restoration in the digital world. Sorry, it's my wife. Thanks for that introduction. Yeah. I needed that today. I figured it was small enough. We're, we're good. Um, from our website, this is our technology page. Our goal at BCCS with technology is to help create culturally transforming students who work to restore the brokenness found in all of creation, including the technological world. So that's kind of the ideal that we're looking at here. And I think it's important that when we do stuff like this, we think about what is the end game? What are we looking to do here? Because in our schools, we're not just looking to create a, another kid who knows how to use a device. We're creating kids to change the world, right? To restore creation wherever they go. And technology <laughs> is just a, a piece of that. Um, so I'll walk you through our, our process at Byron Christian. Uh, when I started at Byron in 2010, we were just dabbling with Google. As a new employee, I was the first to transition directly to Google Docs. Clunky, but it worked. It was interesting. I came from a school where we had the office suite on our computers. When I started at Byron, they had the office suite on a server, and so you would log in on your desktop, and then you could get onto the server, and then you could do your thing. It was a save money kind of thing. Um, I think only once their server crashed and they lost everybody's documents, including all of their electronic grading. 
I, this was early on, it was before I was there, but I heard legendary stories about the ramifications of such an event. Um, so when I started, uh, the, the dad who was in charge of technology said, hey, look, there's this new thing called Google Docs. Why don't you, you try this, start it out, you're just starting here. Let's see how it works. Um, so I used it, played with it, and it was, it was kind of clunky at the beginning, right? It didn't do a whole lot. I mean, there were all these... If you want to make columns, you create a table, and then you put your two things on each side of the table, and then make your lines disappear. And it, was, it was interesting. Anybody go way back on Google Docs? Yeah. Right? You remember that? Um, and does any of you know that G Suite has been steadily improving? I mean, I completely understand there's definite differences between like the Microsoft Suite and what Google is doing. Um, however, I think the reality is that for 97% of us users, Google Docs doesn't, you know, and it, it does it pretty well. Currently, at our school, this is all the edu educational staff uses. Um, Molly started last year, and it was just, this is what we do. You get a Chromebook, and we go for it. Um, our staff has been, well, this is the next slide point, I think. Our staff primarily currently uses Chromebooks instead of laptops. Um, of course, when we started shifting to Chromebooks, I, you know, you'd have to teach staff how to upload their documents and that kind of thing. Um, and it went pretty well. There's a few that still use laptops. If a laptop or other technology is needed, that's where I step in. I mean, part of my role at Byron is Molly says, you know what, I really like Apple TV. I've got this iDevice. Uh, so I'm, all right, I'll get you Apple TV. We'll take care of that. But we don't do anything across the board. Um, we have very few, everyone needs to use this rules. I mean, with our grading, of course, and with Google Docs, and we're using Google Docs. But in terms of, um, you know, we're going to get every classroom in Elmo, we're going to get every classroom in this, we really don't really do that. You, you tell me you need something, I will try to make it happen. If you can say, here's what I need, here's how I'm going to use it, Sweet, then let's, let's go for it and, and make this happen. And that tends to drive our technology because what happens is you have a teacher who's effectively using this technology and the other teachers see it and think, show me how you do that. In fact, you and I are going to have this conversation next week in regards to some of your grading stuff because I was looking at your slides and I thought, that's pretty sweet. I need to learn that. Um, so that's kind of what drives our program at school. Um, we try to play your strengths as a teacher. You know, we'll get into this more in our middle school, we're one-to-one, -one, but we've got some staff members who are super comfortable with technology. I mean, my kids, they get to my classroom, crack open the Chromebooks quite often if we're taking notes or answering questions or recording experiment information or making graphs or charts or whatever we're doing. Um, in your room, they use it quite a bit. We've got other middle school teachers that they just, they're not super comfortable. They're really good teachers, but they're just not super comfortable with the technology thing. And so they don't use it as much, and part of my role is to step in and say, so how's it going over there? Are you, are you increasing? That's all I'm asking. Are you growing? Because that's part of what we do, I think, as teachers. Is it's, I mean, right? We're lifelong learners as well as teachers. At least I sure am. Um, and it's fascinating. You know, when we first got... Did I have that on the last slide? Nope, that must be coming up. Um... Chromebooks, when they first came out, it was interesting. Um, so in 2015, they were roughly tied. Um, they now have passed 
uh, other devices in the classroom, which is kind of interesting because if you'd look 10 years ago, it was iPads, 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 all those things. Um, problems with Google, there are. You know, I don't know who said this, but if you aren't paying for the product, you are the product. It's the reality of, of Google. It's one of those things that you have to talk about. Um, and back to the first one there, you know, we have a, a teacher or one of our people in our technology committee who's actually a, a professor of something to do with technology at Davenport University. And he has said this, you know, he said, I get it, but the problem here, if you understand that our students are the product, if, if we're getting all this G Suite stuff free, then I, yeah, I, I get it. And he too has said, I don't have another answer, but... It's one of those things I think you need to be aware of. Um, and there's a reason why they're free. There's a couple of things. You know, they're creating new customers. I mean, this was the Apple model, right? Let's get an iPad in every classroom, and every kid's going to want an uh, iPod, and every kid's going to want a Mac, and all this stuff. I mean, I'm, I think I'm, I'm <coughs> teaching the products of one of those programs, right? <laughs> um, but it's, I mean, Google is doing the same thing. Right? Let's give them, let's make this stuff cheap, let's make this stuff free. Our kids will all start using it and they will simply transition to it as adults. I mean, it is a brilliant long view marketing uh, idea. They're gathering, I mean, this is one of those things we talk about. They're gathering data. You know, no, they're not supposed to be gathering and mining data, but of course, that isn't fully the case. You ever, you ever have that moment where you're, you're like you searched for something and then you show up and hey, there's the ads on my Facebook or whatever. Right? They know what they're doing. They're good at it and there have been issues, right? European Union, find Google some huge bucks for, for doing this in Europe. Um, and it'll be interesting, I know Google has pulled back a little bit for some of this stuff in the US. But. So as we went forward, back in the day, I think we had a, a very visionary technology teacher. Um, her name was, was Kathy Boldenow. Her vision, and this is what she constantly said, she said, I think as a teacher of technology, my goal is to work myself out of teaching technology and work to aiding teachers in the use of technology. Um, and that is something that has always stuck with me. Um, because technology is a tool, right? It's not a class. We don't have a class on hammer or on screwdriver. It's a, it's a tool. Um, yeah, sometimes my words get ahead of my slides. Uh, it was during, during this period there, shortly after I started, that we bought uh, the first Chromebook. It was the old 303 model in 2013. Um, it was an interesting device. I got the first one, actually. Um, they were like, here, here's this new thing called a Chromebook. I'm like, well, what program is it? Nope, it's just apps. It's Google. Go for it. So started using this thing, and it's pretty sweet. Um, is there anybody here that has not used a Chromebook? Okay. Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's what continues to amaze me, not anymore, because I've been using them for now six, seven years, it's the speed at which these things operate. I mean, you crack the screen, and within 10, 15 seconds, you're ready to go. Um, and this was what we had. When we first started, uh, our social studies teacher and I, Tom DeBleekhorn, we went to the McCall Conference in Detroit, and we had these 
Chromebook things. Of course, the trick, you know, at the McCall conference, they've got pretty decent Wi-Fi, or they're supposed to. Um, but we had people, several people, and what do you, what do you have there? What do you, what do you use it? It was like, yeah, this is a Chromebook. This is this new thing. It's kind of interesting. And, and actually, I went to a couple of presentations there, and they said, well, these things are going to, they're going to, they're, they've got a brilliant marketing plan at this point. Um, I actually still have that one in working condition at home. It still works fine. Um, but of course, these models, if you look at the construction, they, <coughs> students kind of had their way with them after a while. Um, from that first experiment, we moved to carts and full-on Google Enterprise. Uh, and, and the big thing for us is we needed, we needed upgrades to our infrastructure. Uh, we did not have the, the Wi-Fi, we just didn't have the infrastructure to be able to take on mass quantities of Chromebooks because every, even though they're, they're a pretty low bandwidth device, everything is going through the internet on these things. Um, so you've got to have good connectivity. So we had to do that. Um, we uh, had our annual school auction, which probably many of you have. Uh, the, the fun, the need, they call it, that year was for some Chromebook carts. So we could buy Chromebooks, and I was up there with another teacher, and we're talking about how we use these things and, and why they would be a great addition. Previous to this, uh, we had a computer, two computer labs with PCs in them. Um, and yeah, so these things are primary, but what was happening is even our PCs were primary using, primarily using Google Docs on all these things. Yeah, the PC, <coughs> go to Google Docs, and, and they work on things there. Um, the carts then would move from room to room depending on need, um, which I think we've all been in those situations with different devices. Um, Google Classroom came around 2014 to 2015, and, and we started using that, and that continues to be probably my favorite tool for delivering information to my kids. Um, in fact, are there any RenWeb users in here besides our school? RenWeb, I haven't played with it yet, but they actually interface with Google Classroom now. So you can put an assignment in Google Classroom and the grades will migrate to RenWeb, which is pretty sweet. Currently, if I, if I have to do an assignment in Classroom, I go through and grade it and do all this stuff, and then I actually open up the two windows and, and copy, you know, just copy them down. <coughs> Start to become clear that we needed more. Um, our elementary is using the two PC labs and our Chromebook carts are just booked all the time. So after a donation from an individual, we started a one-to-one -one program. Um, and this is how it works. It, it was interesting. The individual basically came to school and said, I want to do something. How can I help you? And our administrator at the time was, was again, pretty, a pretty wise man. And he said, look, here's, here's what we need to get this program rolling. And, and he did. Because, um, of course, any time you have a one-to-one -one program, the initial, the real expense is the startup. Because you've got to purchase, for us, it's like 150 Chromebooks to cover our 6th through 8th grades and get it going. Um, so it is, here's, here's how our program works right now. Um, in grades 6 through 8, there's a $100 per year Chromebook fee. Um, the original breakdown, it was 250 bucks for that Chromebook. Uh, 30 bucks for the management software, 10 bucks for the cost of case. It's just a little sleeve we give them. Um, $11 maintenance fee for keeping up our network and, and keeping all this stuff functional, which you've got to have. You've got to be able to support it. Um, what's interesting is we switched it to a tech fee breakdown. 
Um, now, currently, the cost of the Chromebooks we purchased this year were 190 bucks. Um, and they are far more durable than these old silver ones. Um, the new ones are pretty amazing. Um, we now supply $50 insurance per student per machine for repairs for the three years. It used to be if you broke a screen on your Chromebook, it's going to cost you, you know, mom, dad, sorry, kid broke the screen. It's going to cost 50 bucks to get a new screen put on this thing or whatever the going cost was. Um, now we switch to uh, insurance per student per machine. $30, the cost of the management software, that hasn't changed. $10, the cost of the case. What we do with our cases is, um, whoops, went the wrong way there. What am I saying here? Oh yeah, what we do with our, our cases is we started out just getting them a sleeve, didn't work that great, sleeves are cheap. Um, what we wound up doing is telling parents on our, our sixth grade technology night is look, if you want to get a better case for your kid, Sign up here, we'll order these better cases, and we'll give you $10 credit towards that. That's been a huge uh, thing. Most parents now realize that's a much better way to go. Upped it to $20 for the fee for keeping our, our Chromebook, uh, our network up and functional. And it's interesting, the current fee model with a Chromebook, it allows us to build up funds. Currently at Byron Center Christian, our Chromebook program now basically drives all the other technology at school. Our technology fee, it allows us to, we just purchased, uh, I think currently we've got three Chromebook carts that we purchased in the last two years. Um, and those float between the elementary and different classrooms there that still float around and have carts. But it's been interesting to see how with the lower price of the Chromebooks and the insurance instead of, that it, it's really allowed our technology stuff to be be self-supporting um, at Byron Christian. Um, and then after three years of paying their $100, we always make it very clear that school owns the Chromebook. Upon graduation, we will transfer ownership to you. And then we remove them from the management software. Um, every year, there's a few kids, because if our kids go to South, they get a new Chromebook there. Every year, there's a few students that say, hey, you can just, we usually send an email out, they say, you can just have mine. And if they're in decent shape, we use them for a loaner. You know, a kid forgot his Chromebook that day. Here you go, take this one. We use them for parts. Screen broke on this kid's Chromebook. No problem. We can pull it off a different machine. No. And so on. Any questions about that? Yes, sir. Um, for the insurance, are you self-insure? We self-insure. Yep. Yep. So, and it's been pretty good. Whoops. It's been pretty good. Well, I'm pushing the backwards on this one compared to my other one. It's been pretty good so far. The newer Chromebooks are much more ruggedized, they're much more durable. Uh, and when you combine that with the numbers of parents that are, are buying the, the better case, it, the thing's pretty tough. Um, and what we always tell them is the Chromebook belongs to the school. You may not have stickers on it, you may not do other stuff. If you buy the case, you own the case. You can decorate that as you will. And of course, our, our middle school students love to have a heyday with that, sometimes inappropriately so, which is always worthy of a conversation. Do you do your own repairs? We do, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we've got another tech guy who's, who's pretty good. Usually what I do is when we're looking at the models, um, so we go to the McCall conference every year and I usually test drive some things there and sometimes we'll get some testers shipped to us that we can try out. What I really like to do is wait for another school like South 
to get a particular model, and then they run it for a year, and then you, you talk to the guys there, they how's this thing doing? Um, it saved us a, a boatload of headaches one year. There was one year the Dell Chromebook 11 had a glass screen over top of the LCD screen, and you couldn't buy a glass screen, so they wound up getting a bunch of them custom cut shit in China, and it was a fiasco. Um, so that was one of those moments where we just got to keep an eye on what, what are people doing, what looks good, what works good. We've been using the Dell Chromebook 11. Um, it seems to be a really good model, durable, holds up well. We've had very few failures for that thing. Here's how we introduced the program originally, because this is a big deal for parents, right? I mean, you're putting a piece of technology into your kids' hands. And you're telling them, look, here's our goal with this thing. Our goal is to make reformed digital citizens. We are going to partner with you. Um, and that's part of the big, con the big communication is we are in this thing together. You know, let, let's keep an open line of communication. So the first year we started, we felt it important to educate parents as well as students. We had speakers come in. Um, we brought in, we had all parents six through eight. Here's our, our meeting. Uh, this is what we're doing. We need you all to come because we are introducing this new program and it's a big deal. And they we're trying to teach our students to, to, to be good <coughs> consumers and good users of technology. Uh, we brought in a couple of experts. We brought in a lawyer who is an expert in internet crime. And as God's timing <laughs> tends to work, she spoke first and kind of freaked out her parents a little bit, including the teachers a little bit, about some of the issues with internet crime and digital pictures and everything else that surrounds that. Um, and after that, Chris McKenna, he's this guy at the time, he was a youth pastor, had a passion speaking to parents about issues surrounding the internet and media building. He had struggled with porn addiction back in the day. He'll tell you that. Um, I'm not letting a cat out of the bag. But it brought around in him a passion to help our parents, equip our parents, and help our students deal with this. Because as you probably know, it's the single biggest issue out there. Um, and at the time, he just he came and would talk. And he had a couple presentations, and he would go around to churches and youth groups and just kind of chat. Um, and he came. Currently, this is what it looks like. So, as we go forward, when a sixth grader comes in, they don't get their Chromebook until the parents attend our Chromebook night or meet with generally me to go over the information. So, in order for your student to get a Chromebook, you need to come and talk to us because we need to have this conversation about what it's going to look like, about how we're going to use it, uh, the things, the expectations we're going to have for home. Um, all that. Um, when we have our Chromebook night, I usually go over the following. I talk about the goals of the program, some of the stuff we're talking about right here. Uh, I talk about how we monitor at school, um, how we use them at school, why we have these devices, why this is a thing. Um, then we go, I go over case, case options. At that point, oh, and how to check the history. That's a big thing with our managed Chromebooks, how to check the history on what your child is doing. Um, then we have someone uh, more of an expert from Protect Young Eyes. This is the company founded by Chris McKenna. He has since uh, quit working in the ministry and started this company, Protect Young Eyes. 
Uh, and this is what they do. They help out. They talk to schools. They talk to parents, church groups, all this stuff. They are the very, they're really good. I mean, they, they know what they're talking about. They talk about internet safety, the need for filtering. Why this has been a huge benefit is so often our parents give our kids device, give their kids devices, give our kids devices, and they're not thinking about the filtering. They're not thinking about what's going on. Um, before we started the one-to-one -one program, I was talking to my eighth graders about filtering and, and this kind of thing, and, and I had a student who said, well, yeah, our internet is filtered at home, but it's not a big deal, because after dark, I just walk outside the backyard, and I can catch my neighbor's Wi-Fi, which is not password-secured, and is unfiltered. So I can still get at whatever I need to get at. I just slide over there, right? And making parents aware that this is the kind of thing you just need to be thinking about. Um, how we monitor? At school, we use open DNS for filtering as it comes into the building. Many of you probably do something like that. Uh, when we started out, I was constantly teaching from the back of the room. Um, I am a wandering probably. I am a wanderer. I'm not good at sitting still. So I oftentimes, as I'm teaching, as I'm doing something, if we're using Chromebooks, I'm wandering around. Part of my reason for wandering around is just to see who's, you know, what they're doing on the Chromebooks, keeping an eye on what's going on. Um, and all of us began to develop those habits, which are very, very good. Um, and the admin console, this was even before we had the one-to-one -one program. On our admin console, we can white, you can whitelist or blacklist sites. Like you can say, I want them to get to everything except, or I want them to block everything except these are the ones I want them to get to. And we, have, we set up various levels of blocking, depending on grade level, depending on, on the student. Um, and on, through Google Admin, once it's installed, you can, uh, you can block, so they, like checking histories, disallow incognito mode, only allowing our domain users. So at Byron, if you're going to log on to one of our uh, managed Chromebooks, you can only log in with an at bccsstudent.org email address. You cannot erase your history. You cannot use incognito mode. Um, all these different things we try to set up. Now, it sounds like we're getting kind of, well, we'll get to the next part. Um, we've even had some students who, they continue to struggle. We can set it so, look, you can't, you can't get pictures anymore. Or you can no longer get sound on your particular machine. We set you up to, to not do that because this is too much of an issue. This year we started utilizing GoGuardian uh, to monitor this, the usage of the devices. It's been interesting. Um, I think our, our new administrator coming in, I, I haven't talked to him about it. Um, it's been interesting. We haven't had, I mean, we really haven't had very many issues even looking at what they're doing outside the home, right? Because at home, whatever is set up is what, what the parents' rules are. If they have filtering at home or if they don't, if they allow the kids to use them in the bedroom, if they have to have them in the kitchen table sitting there, these are all things we talk about. Um, so it's interesting. With GoGuardian, it actually goes onto the Chromebook, and, and you can see what the kids are using the Chromebook for any time. Whenever the Chromebook is on, you see what they're going, where they're going, what's happening. Um, and it's been interesting. Um, and again, it continues to be an area of reevaluation or growth for us. We certainly do not have it figured out yet. Yes, sir? So uh, you don't filter the student devices when they're at home? 
When they're at home now, we record, we know what they're visiting, but they are not filtered at home. That's part of what we talk about with parents. And part of the reason we've been, I guess I would say a little bit intentional in that, is well, parents to realize the need for filtering at home, the need for being aware of what your kids are looking at. Um, and it's, it's this two-edged sword. This is where we constantly, I think, try to work to figure this out because our kids are falling, right? And they make poor choices. Um, sometimes when a kid makes a poor choice, it is an amazing opportunity to have a conversation about fallenness and grace and about what you're doing and what you're filling your head with and what's happening, right? Because we want to build digital citizens. And I'm convinced... This is this is this, so this is my personal this is the struggle. I am convinced the way to build digital citizens is not, is is to not. When God created the Garden of Eden, He put the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's because we had to choose God. God had to allow us to not choose Him. Um, in a way. I feel the same about the internet. I want to protect my kids from as much as I can, but at the same time, they need to be able to choose the right thing. They need to develop the skill of not clicking and not going to the website. And I don't know if you can do that, by completely blocking everything out of their life, and then at some point, when they go to college or turn 18 or become an adult, now it's the Wild West, and the world is at your fingertips, and you have no experience with that. So it's this constant conversation of, how do we balance these two things? You know, how do you... How do you... Allow a kid, well, you don't allow them generally. They make poor choices. When a kid makes a poor choice, how do we deal with that? How do we have a conversation that helps the student make a better choice the next time? Right? That's the constant dance I think we face in our schools. Um, I don't know. Any questions about that? That's a, I, and I'm I by no means am wise on this. I'm just trying to figure it out. I think my only question is, when kids do things they aren't supposed to, whether that be at school or at home, you catch those things, is there like some level of consequence? Yes. Yep. Generally, we're still working on the Go Guardian. We just started that. Um, otherwise, what would happen is, we're going to have a conversation. We're going to talk. Um, you're going to lose your device for a little bit. I mean, that's one of, the, one of the things that happens. And it's a conversation of, look, I want to give you the opportunity to make the right choice. So, if, if, so now you've had this thing away for a day or two, if, if you keep making a poor choice, then we're going to have to change it up. Then I'm going to block sound. Then I'm going to block everything except for Google Docs. You know, I'm only going to, I'm just going to whitelist Google Docs for you. That's all you can get to. Um, and again, the goal is to, to teach our kids to make the right choice, to get them to intuitively think, this, I'm going to choose to not click. I'm going to choose to not go. Does that make sense? So we do have a pathway there.
follow-up yes, question. So if, uh, if a student has lost the Chromebook for a little bit of time, and now they're in your classroom, and you, you have a lesson plan that involves the kids using the Chromebook, so how, how do you... What I will generally do is I'll have them work next to another student sometimes. Like, you can, you can see how we do this. You can work alongside, but... Sorry, man, you chose to not be able to use this thing through what you did. And it's a bummer, and I'm sorry for you because it, it kind of sucks, but you know, you're going to get this thing back in two days. And, and Can I kind of add to that a little bit? Yes, please. We had a student actually who lost his rights to Chromebooks for like the rest of the year yeah. last year. So it, it became sort of a challenge for us, but we had it to did. differentiate for him. Like, I did a research project, and he. He had to go to the library, he had to use books, and he had to do it differently. And that was because of his choices. Yeah. So. And there were many times, I, I, I'm going to print something out, right? Yeah. Anytime I'm going to shoot something yeah. to him in Google Classroom, I have to make a hard copy for him. Because he doesn't have that anymore. Yeah. This, was, this was, a, that was a unique case. Yeah. Yes? Do you still do the Google Admin Console along with the Go Guardian? We do. Yep. Yep. And there's some overlap there. Right. Um, there's definitely some overlap, but some of the things you can do with the, the admin console, it's just, there's some pretty slick things, you know, shooting different websites. And... <laughs> yes! Uh-oh, here comes my wife with a question. I didn't ask you any questions. So, I guess I have a question. The parent, because I feel a little bit bad that I don't really answer. So, do you do anything during, like, downtime? So, it's morning break, it's noon hour and school have to stay in because it's raining or whatever, that they have to be off their devices. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, when you come into school in the morning, you have to put your devices away. <coughs> um, you can't use your devices in the morning, at break, at noon, okay. unless, like if a student comes to me and says, Mr. Lovers, I need to work on this Bible project on a Chromebook, can I work in your room? Yep. Go ahead, sit here, and, and you can work on it. Um, yeah, that's how we handle that. But during the day, breaks, things like that. No, this is this is where we're we're doing face to face time here. Yeah, it's bell to bell. And then if they ask you like like we you know have like hall duty or whatever, so if they ask me, can I can I work on this in your room? Be like, nope, not gonna be here. Sorry, find yep. something else. Yep. Yep. So Mr. Lee in there. Go ahead. Yep. Cool. Yep. And yes. I teach fourth and I'm fifth grade two and four. I've that natural curiosity that we you love in our students. So we drive here. It is. And I get my little fourth grade voice when you're talking about these things that there are bad things on the internet that you know you can't see. Then that natural curiosity. I'm wondering, do you address that differently with lower you know, I know the machines tend to be more locked down in elementary. Um, I am not sure exactly how it's handled there, to be honest with you. It used to be a lot worse. Um, they could get on German topless beaches. Huh. Yeah. Years ago, like 15 years ago already. Yeah, now, it used to be you have to go to Germany for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now it's um, securely we can. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, they do. And that's where, like, GoGuardian will show you a history of what they're searching for, what they're looking for. Um, and it's it's interesting. We have a, a, a young man with Downs who, I think he searched naked ladies. Um, I had to, uh, get a, have a phone call with mom and dad. You know, 9 o'clock last night. 
Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just having that conversation. Like, there are temptations all around us. Yep. I wish I had a better answer, but... And I don't teach that young. Yeah. I had a little girl on portrait that last year got in her mom's cell phone. My mom got a new one, and the old one was in the closet. And the mm -hmm. and I don't even know why it would be activated. She was in there online, on the box. And the mom kept getting more alerts, and they realized that her yeah. was on it. Our kids are smart. Man, they are small, so much smarter than. Oh, I pushed a button. Um, I was hit this thing. They are. I mean, in so many ways, they're so much smarter than us when it comes to some of this stuff. You know, um, it's it's tricky, right? And the goal is always. I mean, the goal is to create a digital citizen who's going to make the right choice, right? Where was I here? Ah, yes. Don't go the wrong way. There it was. Yeah, any other questions there? Yes, sir. Uh, you talk about um, the Chromebooks being taken away in terms of consequences. What about just everyday, you know, kids forgetting them at home, not being charged? How do you guys manage? Well, what we found, the first couple of years we started up, part of our policy was if you forget your Chromebook, the first time you can get a free rental from the library, uh, from the media center, the second time it's going to cost you 10 bucks. Well, what we found is, is kids don't like, they like to use their own Chromebook. Um, it really just became, uh, finally our, our media person said, can we just quit this $10 thing? Like, we only end up with maybe, you know, having to charge 50 or 60 bucks worth of a year. It's a nightmare for us in the office to try to figure out and get these parents. It's not, the, it's, it's just not worth the hassle. And so we quit, and it continues to really not be a big deal because the kids, they want to use their own Chromebook in the middle school. Um, and if they forget, they usually, first thing in the morning, they just go to the library and sign one out and have to bring it back to the end of the day. So, right now, so currently now there's no disciplinary consequences? No. Nope, there's not because it hasn't been a problem. Okay. Um, it's one of those deals where if, if it would begin to be an issue, then you know, we'd have to figure out how to deal with it. Um, our, our policy says you should take it to school charged every day. The charger should be at home. You plug it in at night. Um, at my house, our kids have them, well, we used to always have the charger sitting on the counter, and then they plug it in there at night. The next morning, they can grab it. Um, I tend to be a hoarder, so our counter space has to be cleaned off once in a while. So now our kids, my wife's laughing at me, our kids charge it, like in the living room or whatever. Um, and again, if a kid forgets to charge the Chromebook, Brings it in that, and sometimes they have to go to the library, borrow a charger, and now you have to you have to sit on the floor with it plugged in by the wall there because it doesn't reach your desk. Um, and again, so far it has not been a a big issue at all in terms of kids forgetting on large scale. Yeah, because it just makes their lives harder. It does. So they don't it does. Do it. That's how we try to structure it. If if it's if it's if they're going to make the mistake, it's just going to make life tougher for them, and then they kind of tend to self-remember better. At, at our high school level, we struggle with that. At the middle school level, no. Okay. At home, the parents are like, charge your laptop. Yeah. Right. Yep. At school, at the high school level, parents aren't monitoring that. Right, so right. Bring them in yeah. And the Chromebooks have a really, I mean, the battery life is like, I don't even know, 12 yeah, hours. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll get partially through the day. Yes, the but then it dies. Part, right. Yep, no, right. I get you. They're freaking out. Yep. <laughs> so, um, how we use them, 
Uh, and it's in tech, tech class has disappeared in the middle school. Um, there is no tech class in a middle school at all anymore. Um, that, that actually disappeared uh, with the former <coughs> teacher there, um, which was, she felt really good about that. Um, but there are, certain, there are some issues there. Um, I don't think, well, the goal of fully integrating tech as a tool in, in other classrooms, it, it continues, right? We're trying to get it in there. It's got some issues. Um, we use them for Google Docs, um, Google Classroom, of course, Google Earth. I use Google Earth in science all the time. But I'm the guy who, like, when I'm sitting on the couch and I'm watching Alaska, the last frontier or whatever, I'm sitting there trying to figure out where these people are, and suddenly I realize that Alaska, the last frontier, these people who are, like, rugged individuals living out in the Alaska wilderness are 10 minutes from McDonald's in Homer, Alaska. And then I'm all disappointed with a history channel. <laughs> but uh, but uh, Google Earth is... Science, it's, it's some crazy cool geology stuff and folds of mountain, it's great. Um, MAPS testing, uh, this is the, the testing, I don't even know what MAPS stands for. Um, NWEA, it's the testing, so we use this program and it, it's with Chromebooks, it's really slick. I just install the program as a kiosk app, so when we're gonna do testing, that kid shows up, opens up his Chromebook, and it's in MAPS mode, you can't use it for anything else but for testing. So we can lock down cart A or cart B or cart C or sixth grade or seventh grade or eighth grade, just depending on who's testing and what's going on. It's pretty slick. Um, presentations. Um, this is where tech class has changed. Uh, in my class, in science throughout the year, we work on different uh, aspects of presenting. For example, uh, they'll be doing a um, presentation as we get through the uh, digestive system here in not too long. Um, this is going to be the thing we focus on this time. Using notes, right? I always tell them, your, your bullet points should be on the presentation. You're not reading the slides. If you're going to read the slides, you can just send us the PowerPoint and we can read it ourselves. Um, so we, I try to teach them, like, look, just use the main points up there and either use the notes mode or use handwritten notes or something to, to help you through this because that's the goal of the, the, the presentation. Or time limits. All right, this time your presentation has to be at least four minutes long. Or this time your presentation has to include an animation that you made to show this. And then we'll take a little bit and I'll show them taking to some place and show them how to make an animation. Um, or this time, instead of using Google presentations, you have to use Prezi. And then we'll take a little time and we'll show them how to use Prezi. And if you've ever used that one, it's kind of fun. You zoom in and out. It's just a different way of, of presenting stuff. Um, so that has just, the presentations aspect has become more, it's just a tool that I teach in science. And this is how we deliver information. So as a class, technology is, is gone to middle school. In fact, you're doing some presentation stuff right now, which is kind of fun. Oh, animations, we talked about that. Oh, and pictures, um, of course, I'm kind of lame. This is like totally, uh, yeah, pot, kettle. I haven't had any pictures. <laughs> you have pictures. You did better. Yes? Do yours present well? Um, mine are intermittent. kids will pop right up on the screen, the projector, and others. Well, not connected projector? Yeah. So I have found this weird thing. I, I don't, can't fully explain it. 
but and, and somebody who's more tech savvy than I might know, it seems like certain machines send out different strength of HDMI signals. Um, Chromebooks seem to be pretty consistent. Uh, we'll have it if, in our multi-purpose room. If somebody presents on a Mac and we use a long HDMI cable, directional long cable, it won't work. But a short cable, it works. Um, I know at South they do a lot more, at our high school that our kids feed into, they use a lot more of Chromecast. So you wirelessly present. In my room, the kids always think it's a big deal to bring that they bring their Chromebook up, they plug it in the HDMI, and then they get to use my clicker. And if it's a group thing, there's always a, oh right, now it's my turn to use the remote. I call it a clicker, which doesn't make kids understand the context for that. Um, yeah. So this is me. Oh, this is you. This uh, yes, is your I'm here turn. to talk, not to just stand here. Um, <laughs> So Clay asked me to come and just talk a little bit about what this actually looks like in the classroom. So he gave you kind of the whole journey up to this is how we got the Chromebooks, this is how we monitor the, all this stuff. This is more like applicable, this is how I use it in the classroom. I'm not a tech teacher or anything like that. I teach 7th and 8th grade language arts writing workshop. So I just wanted to give you guys a few practical things that I use with the Chromebooks that I love that maybe you could take with you if you haven't heard of this before. And this is her second year being a full-time real teacher and she's yes. already presenting at CEO. <laughs> yes, thank you. So this is how it looks on the ground, right? This is what it looks like in my classroom and some of the things that we use it for. So Clay already said we use Google. So everything pretty much that I do, is in Google Classroom, okay? And I love this because it's so organized, right? I can't have students showing up and telling me they lost that paper. You didn't lose the paper. It's right there, it's on your Chromebook, it's in Google Classroom, you can just click on it right there. Of course the charging thing, if you don't have it charged, it can be an issue. But everything is there, everything is organized, this is a live shot of what my seventh grade language arts Google Classroom looks like currently, okay? Um, Oh, you have a question yeah, over there in the corner. Why does it still say Mallory Hoffman? Yes, I'm sorry, my name changed recently, but <laughs> that guy hasn't changed my name on my... Ooh, I thought I, I guess I'm with you. Oh, I missed your student account! That's okay. I got to change on your student account. Yes. yes. Anyways, um, one of the other things that I love about this um, on Google Classroom is that it organizes everything according to, like, unit, right? So when my students are searching for something specifically, if they don't know where it is, I'm like, oh, press... I think it's at the bottom, the bottom end. There you go. Well, pr press the little classwork thing, and then everything for our mystery unit is there, and all of our weekly check-ins are there. It just helps them to find things. Sometimes the hardest thing for them is just to find where we are. And this just makes my life a little bit easier. It makes their lives a little bit easier as well. Um, a couple other simple things that I love with Google Classroom that help me and help the kids. It's easy to discreetly share um, modified or accommodated documents with just a few students. Like, I have a lot of students this year who require fill-in-the-blank notes or taking notes. So instead of making it this big thing where I print them off and I go and I hand it to them and they feel really embarrassed because they have to have fill-in-the-blank notes and everybody else can just type them up on their Chromebook, I just share them, you can see, directly with one student in Google Classroom. So this will show up in their stream and in no other student's stream. So they can just click on it, nobody knows, they feel really confident. It's just smooth and it's simple. Um, 
The other thing I like to do, which might seem kind of goofy, is I use emojis um, to help organize things, too, instead of saying, it's the assignment called Mystery Reading Group's Calendar. I'm like, it's the one with the calendar emoji. It's a Google Chrome extension. You can use that and just copy and paste emojis and things. They like it, especially because our kids are becoming more and more visual. It's easier for them to just see the icon and click on it. Again, simple. Um, one of the things I use my technology for most is for assessment and communication, right? If our students are doing pretty much all of their work on their Chromebooks, on Google, why would I be grading them or assessing them or giving them feedback in any other way, right? So before I knew some of the tricks that I'm about to show you guys, um, Oh, yeah, sorry. First thing I want to talk about is the comment bank on Google Classroom. Do you guys know about this already? A little bit? Okay. Um, it allows you to save comments that you make a lot and just copy and paste them onto student work. So as a language arts teacher especially, I find that I do this a lot. Like, oh, watch out for run-on sentences. And I find myself typing the same thing over and over again. And this just makes my life easier. So you can save and reuse them and just copy and paste them. So this is what it looks like. If you're on a student's document, you can click this little guy, comment bank, and then up pops this sidebar that has all my saved comments right there. So these are the things that I say to my students the most. You can think of stronger words. Write out numbers under 20. Of just like really simple stuff, but it saves me time to not have to type that out on every single student's document. Okay, so you just... Um, you can click add to bank, and so then I type in a comment that I'm going to keep using and click add. And then you copy it over there, highlight exactly what you want to comment on on their document, and paste it. That's and that's comment. Comment. So super easy, simple, streamlined, saves me time as a teacher. Now I want to talk a little bit about this Gubrick and Doctopus thing that I used for grading that has saved my life as a teacher. Um, before I knew how to use this stuff, this is what I looked like when I actually <laughs> Like, it was this big, daunting task where I had to print off all these rubrics and get ready to assess, and it just took forever. But now I've learned these things, and I look like this <laughs> when I grew. It's more exciting, it's easier, it's better for the students, and it's better for me. So I kind of want to break down this strategy for you guys into a few steps. So what you will need in order to, I mean, okay, first of all, this allows you to attach a rubric onto a student's Google Doc. So it'll just copy it directly on there. You can fill in the rubric with the scores right on their document, rather than having a separate document that you fill out either digitally or by hand. It goes right on their document, and it's also streamlined. So this is how you do it. These are the steps. Um, first of all, you'll need a posted assignment in Google Classroom. Okay. It'll take your assignment from Google Classroom, so it needs to be in there first and foremost. And you need to make a rubric. You need to make the rubric that you're going to use to assess this document. And it has to look like this. You make it in Google Sheets, and it has to have the criteria in column A and the point values in row one, and then you just fill in the boxes with exactly what you're looking for there. 
Okay. So you need the, the assignment, you need the Google Sheets rubric ready to go. Then you need the Gubrick Chrome extension. You can get this in the Chrome extension store. Really easy to just install. And you need the Doctopus add-on for Google Sheets. Weird names, but they might be a little bit easier to remember. So these two things will work together to um, paste a rubric on a student's assignment. So you need four things. Assignment, rubric, Gubrick, and Doctopus. So step one is you open up a blank Google Sheet. Then you click Add-ons, find Doctopus, and click Launch. And then it's going to open up this column on one side of your screen, and it'll ask you to select a mode. You're going to click Ingest, which is a really gross verb. Ingest a Google Classroom assignment. Not for the science guy. No, <laughs> it's a strong verb, though. Yeah. So you ingest a Google Classroom assignment. This is why you have to already have the assignment posted. It's going to pull it directly from there. Okay. Um, it's then it'll pull up. I don't have pictures of this, but it'll pull up like these are your classes. Which one do you want? And you pick the class, and then you pick the exact assignment, and then you click a button that says ingest. Make sure you ingest all assignments and not just the turned in assignments. Because if you're like me, you have students who never turn anything in but their work is there in Google Classroom, so ingest all of them. And then it'll take a little bit, you have to be patient, it's pulling all of those from Google Classroom. The next step is attaching a Gubrick, so that's going to pop up there. You click Attach Gubrick, and it'll pull up a window. And then you just select your rubric from your drive, your Google Sheet that you made. You select that, click Attach, and it's just going to do magic and attach that rubric to every single document that you just ingested from Google Classroom. And it takes a minute, but it's so worth it in the long run. Any questions so far? I'm kind of trying to go through this. Yeah? Do you put the, the rubric on before the students even do the work, or something you wait until they... You can. You can. I generally wait until the end. Um, but you can do it beforehand, and you can actually turn on a mode, I'm not getting into this, where they can fill out the rubric for themselves about their own work, which is good for self-assessment. Yeah, you can do this at any point. You can also like refresh and look for new submissions if a student submits something late or attaches a document to the assignment late, and it'll pull it again. Yeah. Okay, so then this is where you get to the actual assessing. You opened up that blank Google Sheet and ingested all of the documents. So now you have a sheet that has links to every single student's document for this assignment. And then you click the Gubrick link there, and it'll open up their document with the rubric on it. So the spreadsheet will have the student's name, the link to the doc with the Gubrick, the link to the plain doc. And then these, they're like all my categories for grading. So we'll have this next to each, each student. And then these will populate with the scores as you pull out the rubrics. So you can, once you get done grading, you can just look at your spreadsheet and see, oh, my students really struggle with the introduction. They all scored really low there. Or, oh, my students really killed it with word choice this time. They all got five points out of five in that section. So it just makes it easier for you to see what your students are doing well or what they're not doing well, rather than you having to input all this information into a spreadsheet yourself. This just does it for you, and it's magic. And then, this is what it looks like when you're actually filling out the rubric. 
So this is a student's document. I blacked out the name. And this is the rubric. It just goes right on top. So you can see it has all tabs for my different criteria. And then I would just click 5, 4, 3, 2, or 1. And it fills it in right there. And it copies it into the spreadsheet for you. So you don't have to do that work. And then this is what it looks like for the student at the end. The bottom of their assignment, it has the whole rubric with the grade boxes which show how they scored. They have that right on the bottom of the document where they did their work. And it also allows me to write comments. This person absolutely nailed it. She seamlessly integrated key elements of an essay. Okay. So then you can actually write the comments on top of the, note, the rubric goes right on their document, so it's right there. So when I'm done grading, I can say, all right guys, open up your Chromebooks, pull up your essay, look at my comments, ask me questions if you have it. It just makes it so much simpler. I always felt like there was this disconnect when they would write something or do an assignment for me digitally, and then I handed them this paper rubric, and they're like, what's this for? Like, well, it's for that assignment that you did. It just didn't make sense to them, and here it's right there. They can see it, it's on the document super specific and it made my life easier as well. So just to sum up, using these things in your classroom, having the technology, um, it's paperless. You don't have to deal with all these papers and students losing them and you losing them and all carrying them around. It's convenient for you, it's efficient for you, and it allows you to give fast, timely feedback to your students as well. And I know that's always one of our goals as educators to give them the feedback right away so it makes a difference rather than waiting a week. These tools can help you with that. That is all I have, and I know I kind of sped through it because we're two minutes left. By the way, this is Molly Nagelkirk. She's yeah. a second year teacher, and I kind of drafted her when my partner probably wisely bailed out on me. <laughs> yeah. But if you, any of you have, question, if you have questions about any of this, I'm more than willing to answer. Hopefully you've got something. Yeah? self-assessment, maybe peer assessment as well or not? No. Well, they could if they like traded Chromebooks, but no, otherwise they would do online at all. Yeah, that's a good question though. That would be a good idea. Well, thanks for passing yeah. up that cold one and coming to the last section. Yeah.